All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and happy Wednesday. A busy 24 hours it has been on so many fronts, but let's focus on the political front. There are Republican leadership elections in the House and Senate. They are now settled. At least the Senate is completely settled, and the House has a general sense of where it's probably going to end up. We're going to get to that in a second. And then, of course, former President Donald Trump last night announced he is going to run again in 2024. He had a lot of interesting things to say. And I think we're going to talk about a few of those in some of the key lines that I think were part of his speech. And what does Donald Trump 3.0, yep, this is the third time he'll be running for president. What does the 3.0 version of Donald Trump need to do? I'll have some great conversations with that. But first, let's give you a heads up for the lineup today. We're going to go down to the border with none other than Brandon Judd. The current head of the Border Patrol Union, he is one of the most eloquent voices on the border, and he has a very strong message he wants to deliver to voters in Arizona and Texas, to the governor of Texas, and to the Republicans who want to focus on election theft instead of the security of the border. He wants to talk about that, and he's going to have a really big conversation about that. I'm really looking forward to that. And then it is the giving season. Yes, we're heading into the holidays, the end of the year. People thinking, what's the way I can give the most bang for my buck for dollars? And our good partners, our strategic partners here at Just the News and John Solomon reports, the Donors Trust, a great conversation with Peter Lipset, their great and incredible vice president, my good friend. A little bit of learning about how you can get your charitable donations aligned as best as you can with your personal values and to make the most bang for your buck, even in the midst of inflation, in the midst of a difficult economy, we have some really great ideas that Peter Lipset and I are going to talk about. So Brandon Judd, Peter Lipset, back to back on this incredible podcast edition of John Solomon Reports. Now let's turn a little bit to the momentous last 24 hours. First up, let's start with the decision last night by former President Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States, to begin a third presidential campaign for 2024. He unveiled his plans at a announcement in Mar-a-Lago at the Florida complex that he owns, the golf complex there. 
with some people call it the Southern White House. And he had a lot of things to say. I think the most interesting thing is that he felt like the reason he needed to run was that the record he achieved in his four years compared to what Joe Biden has created in the last two years, he felt like he needs to come back and fix this country. I think he said at one point, we need to get out of this ditch. We need to get out of this ditch, meaning Joe Biden crashed the car into a ditch, the American economy, the American security, the American border, the American fentanyl crisis, put America in a ditch. Just listen to this line from his speech. I think it really sums up the argument he made for himself last night. Listen up. What we have built together over the past six years is the greatest movement in history because it is not about politics. It's about our love for this great country, America, and we're not going to let it fail. I am running because I believe the world has not yet seen the true glory of what this nation can be. We have not reached that pinnacle, believe it or not. In fact, we can go very far. We're going to have to go far. First, we have to get out of this ditch. And once we're out, you'll see things that nobody imagined for any country. It's called the United States of America, and it's an incredible place. All right. So Donald Trump 3.0 is in the game. It's very difficult when you run for a third time as president to reintroduce yourself. Last night, I think he had a presidential speech, but the work of mending fences with moderate Republicans, with women who voted 70, young unmarried women who voted 70% to, for Democrats this last time. There's still some work to be had. Suburban moms still need to be had. And I think while the president had a strong start to the campaign solving these long-term issues, as well as solving the issue of how to compete in states where absentee ballots are a reality. They're there. They're going to happen. And I didn't hear much on those fronts. So I think a lot of people are going to be pressing the president on those sort of issues in the not-so-distant future. And I think that was one of the outcomes. Now, leadership races in the House and Senate. Kevin McCarthy had a challenge from Andy Biggs. He beat that back, meaning he will be the nominee for House Speaker, but he's 30 votes short still. He's still 30 votes short at this minute for getting to the 218 required. And that means between now and January 3rd, he's got a lot of work to do. In the first place, that work can be done is in the House rules. If he can give conservatives some of the rules, some of the autonomy, some of the accountability that they want, such as unilateral subpoenas by chairman and the Pullman rule, which we've talked about a lot, then you might begin to see some more of those 30 protest votes roll his way. But he's not at 218, so he doesn't have the votes to be speaker, but he does have the votes overwhelmingly to be the nominee for speaker. And the next couple of months will be a very interesting time to see how he and the conservatives who distrust Kevin McCarthy get along and create consensus. If they do, he'll be the next speaker. If he doesn't, We'll have to keep an eye out on people who could step into the void, people like Jim Jordan. That might be someone who could potentially step into the void, and I think that would be someone a lot of people are talking about. Some people want to bring Newt Gingrich back, because remember, the Speaker doesn't need to be someone who serves in the House. That's one of the few jobs that you don't have to have that. I think that's a person that could easily get some votes and if they're in an unusual moment if this fails for there. Uh, some other people that I think whose names come up when you listen to it, you know, if not Kevin, then who, right? I think Jeff Duncan is a South Carolina member 
of the uh, Freedom Caucus. He said, listen, there are 435 members here and about 220 of them will be Republican. Any one can do it. I mean, any one vote could change the outcome of this election. The five most likely people, I think the most likely is Steve Scalise. He's the uncontested majority whip and somebody that both the traditional wing of Republicans and the MAGA wing like a lot. Then there's Elise Stefanik. Some people think that she could. A woman speaker would be very interesting. Jim Banks, who was the head of the policy committee, he got beaten out for majority whip by Tom Emmer. And so that is, uh, he's a freelancer. And then Jim Jordan. I think those are the four most likely to keep an eye on. If I had to say who would be the fallback if there was a failure by McCarthy, which I'm not sure there will be, but there are 31 Republicans who didn't vote for him. He's still got to close the deal. Steve Scalise would probably be number one. Jim Jordan would be number two. Stefanik would be number three. Banks would be number four. But all of them, people to keep an eye on. All right, now let's flip to the Senate. Now in the Senate, because the Republicans are going to be the minority party, they only need to have one election. They don't have to do the full chamber election. And in that case, I think almost certainly... Mitch McConnell did. He beat back a contest from Rick Scott, the Florida senator. Rick Scott will be on the doggy doo-doo list now. In fact, he was just stripped of his title as NRC chairman. And that will, at the end of the day, be the minority leader once again. But one-fourth or about one 120% of the Senate caucus expressed its displeasure with Mitch McConnell. That is going to be a significant issue as well. Well, that's about what happened in the last couple of days. A lot. Trump, McCarthy, McConnell, all familiar names, all in familiar circumstances and some unfamiliar outcomes. We'll have to watch and see what happens. All right. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Brandon Judd, the president of the Border Patrol Agents Union, he's going to come up, give us an update on the border, what's good and bad about it, what's happening, all right after this commercial break from our great advertisers. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious field of greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. 
But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. You've all heard of the big action taken by Texas Governor Greg Abbott in the last 24 hours. Yes, he finally declared an invasion under the U.S. Constitution. That's going to empower some new actions. It's a historic action. Well, one of the guys that knows exactly what's been going on in the front lines because he lives there, he works there, and he represents the incredible men and women of the Border Patrol is the president of the National Border Patrol Council, our good friend, Brandon Judd. Brandon, great to have you back on the show. That was quite the welcome. I appreciate it. Always good to be with you. Well, it is always good to have you. You're on the front lines. You're our eyes and ears, and you give us such an honest account all the time. We're always appreciative of that. I want to start just by getting your reaction to what Governor Abbott did. A lot of people have been encouraging it. Lots of counties were voting at it in Texas, encouraging it. How important is it, and what will it mean for the fight for getting security back at our border? Uh, he, he must be applauded. Uh, what he's doing is unprecedented. What he's doing is, is something that this administration fails to do. And he's also looking at what his constituents want. And that's what's so important from our elected officials. If our elected officials would actually do what the constituents want, there would be a lot less upheaval um, in this country. We'd, we would see this country being continuing to be the greatest country on the world. Look, we are the beacon for everybody to look at. Unfortunately, the, the last two years, um, we're just going down a path that we don't want to go. And, and what Governor Abbott is doing is exactly what his constituents want him to do. He is shining a spotlight on this issue. Um, he is making it an issue that the national media cannot ignore. And when they don't ignore it, then the American people know what's going on. And if they know what's going on, they're, they're more apt to voice their opinion, to let their elected representatives know exactly what they want to do, what they want them to do. And if they know, if these elected representatives know that their job is on the line, we can then um, hope to see change. Isn't that amazing? Just being in touch with the people you represent. What a novel idea. Huh? That's what Americans want. It's, it's crazy. I want to get your reaction to the election, too, because we had you on before the election. I thought you gave one of the most impassioned, rational arguments, which is if you care about your children, if you care about that they don't pick up a pill someday and get poisoned, if you care about them not getting run over by a speeding car, then vote for the people that want border security and are offering to do that. 
we saw an election where the exit polls showed people were deeply concerned about the border and fentanyl crisis. And yet, in many cases, they voted for the party that has sustained the status quo. What message did you derive from that? What dials do we need to adjust so that people vote in the interest of the policy that they say they oppose? I, I think it's, it's, it's the most fundamental issue in this country is democracy. And that's what we saw. What the Democrats did that was, was very impactful and very powerful was they challenged the notion that Republicans wanted to get rid of democracy. Abortion didn't do it. But what they did was they tied abortion into democracy. And then, then they talked about all of these election deniers and how they want to change. You know, you, you've got shock jocks. And I'll use one, for instance, in Arizona. This shock jock in Arizona, he loves to, to go around saying that, that not all people should be allowed to vote. They, there should be a test. There should be a standard. And what that does is that turns off the American people because we were founded on this idea that democracy is sacred. And when you have um, conservative shock jocks that are running around saying stuff like that, what it does is it, it – it, it causes people to think that, that their, their democracy is actually in peril. And that is always going to be the number one issue. Economy is extremely important. Um, energy independence is important. Crime is important. Border security is important. Foreign policy is important. All of those things are important, but nothing is more important than democracy. And that's what the Democrats used to beat the Republicans up. And it was all based upon this election um, denial that, that the election was stolen and, and everything that surrounded that. That independents do not believe that the election was stolen, but they do believe in democracy and the Democrats were able to use that very, very effectively. If the Republicans would have just stuck to those five topics, if they would have stuck to the economy, if they would have stuck um, to energy independence, to border security, to crime and to foreign policy, if they would have stuck to that message, it would have resonated and there would have been that huge red wave. Instead, you had people like Kerry Lake that constantly talked about the election over and over and over again. And that drove so many um, independents and even some Republicans that voted Democrat because they believe more, more than anything. They believe in, the, in democracy. They believe that democracy is what made this country so great. So we have to get back to that. We have to get back to the sacred, sacredness of this democracy. Stick to the issues. Don't talk about elections being stolen. Yeah, such good wisdom. It's something that we all are grappling with. It does seem to turn off someone who is about to make the deal with Republicans and, and all of a sudden, like, ah, I'm not going to go there. I, I may not go there. It's really interesting to look at that, the data that shows that. Speaking of data, we finally got our October numbers. Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to start, but let's take a couple of those numbers. 230,678 illegal immigrants encountered, about 30% estimate that the gotaways are about 30, 35% more. To put that number in perspective, it's three plus times the average for October during the Trump years. It's such a mind-boggling number. Nine people on the terror watch list in a single month. 130,000 of the illegal immigrants were outside the Northern Triangle in Mexico. So we're seeing a very different immigrant than the stereotype. These are really, really stunning numbers. And then you throw all the fentanyl and meth and other things that were encountered at the border during that the last month. It's getting worse. It's not getting better under any circumstance, right? And, it, and it's not going to. And, and that's the problem. It, you know, when, when we last spoke, um, we talked about whether or not the, the Democrats really cared about border security. And I can personally tell you that they do not. 
Um, they took a calculated risk that border, a calculated guess that border security was not going to harm them in the midterms. It would have. It would have harmed them in the midterms. Um, but unfortunately, you know, Republicans did some 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 things that were wrong. Um, but they're going to use this now. They're going to use the midterms and say, see, we were right. Vindication. And we're going to continue to see the border be be completely out of control because that's what the leftist base wants. They want an out of control border. They want um, unregulated immigration. They don't care. If if harm is is being done to the American people, they want what we're currently seeing. Um, they're only going to vote for those people that, that they're seeing it from, and they're not going to show up to the polls unless they're getting it. And that's what this administration is doing. They're trying to galvanize this uh, this portion of the electorate to encourage them to get out there and vote. If they get this under control, they're going to lose that portion of the electorate. And, and without that portion, they're, they're going to be hard-pressed to ever win elections. And, and that's why they're doing it. It's all about politics rather than what's best for the American people, rather what's best for the safety and security of our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our neighbors. They're more willing to put their own aspirations, political aspirations, power aspirations above everything that's good for this country. And that scares me. And it scares me to death. Yeah, it, it is very scary. There's a conversation we just have to have with our colleagues, our, our fellow citizens, our neighbors about where we're headed, because at some point you reach a point where there's a point of no return. And I think that that's the the moment now. These cartels have so much money to traffic people. They take all the money they're trafficking people, and now they put it back into drug production. And the drug flow is just going to overwhelm us in ways we... It's going to make the, I think, the 1980s cocaine crisis look like a small drug blip compared to what we're, where we're headed. You had a major shift at the top of your agency, at least in terms of names. You get rid of the current commissioner. The deputy commissioner comes in. He does something interesting. He said out loud what the Democrat administration normally doesn't say, hey, it has been a couple of difficult years, and you guys are doing the best you possibly can in the field, at least acknowledging the Border Patrol at the ground level. Not going to be much change, though, in policy, is there? There's not, and, and, and that's the problem. Look, I am not going to be an apologist for Magnus. He needed to go. He was a horrible commissioner. He never should have been um, put in as the commissioner. But honestly, the, their original pick, he didn't take the job because he knew that it was a, uh, a no-win job. Um, and Magnus took the job because he thought that it was going to be a step up. He thought that it was going to be a way um, for him to potentially make money, which is why he took the job. But it was a no-win job because this administration won't let anybody implement the proper policies, programs, and operations that will allow us, the men and women that put on that uniform, that go out there, that, that all we want to do is protect our fellow citizens, they're not going to put any of those those uh, programs, policies, and operations in place that's going to allow us to secure the border. So it doesn't matter who's in there. That person is going to fail unless this administration actually wakes up and says, we're going to do what's right by the American people. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. Now it seems like status quo is the only option that's going to come from a different nameplate. Same status, I think, is what it seems like. I always worry about the morale of the men and women on the front lines because they have been through so much and it feels like no help is on the way. There are no reinforcements. Now, maybe Governor Abbott's action will send a positive message. But give us just a, a candid update. If you're one of those folks like you are, because you're on that Arizona border every day, you know that for everyone you stop, there's 
a gotaway that's getting away somewhere else. What is the spirit and what can the American public do to do anything to support our men and women in uniform down there? You know, I sigh every single time I get this question because it, it, it's so disheartening um, to, to see what my fellow agents are going through, to see what, how they feel. Um, it is, it is very nice to see somebody like Governor Abbott step to the plate to do something that, that this administration is not doing. The problem with that is he cannot, he does not have the authority to fix this problem. Um, and if he doesn't have the authority to fix the problem, then the problem's going to going to continue. I mean, we're grateful that he's shining the spotlight on it. You know what, what's great, and I'm, I'm going to tie this right back into the uh, you know the reason why I believe that the Republicans um, did not have the huge red wave is is there's a lot of people out there that believe that the elections were stolen, and and they they very well might have. But what people want to see is they want to see evidence. They want to see evidence of what's going on, and that's what Governor Abbott is doing. Um, he is showing the evidence of what is currently taking place on the border. And when people can actually see the evidence, rather than rhetoric, rather than just talk, when people see the evidence, they're more likely to step, to step up and, and voice their concerns and let their elected uh, officials know that they want change on the border. And that's what he's doing. He's not giving us rhetoric. He's giving us the evidence. He's showing what, what is currently happening. And then he, on top of that, he is taking action. That's what we need from elected officials. Such an important thing. You can actually believe what you see with your eyes, and that's what makes something it makes it tangible. What when you see those illegal aliens being getting off a bus somewhere, people realize, well, they do exist. They really are there. And then you get to see the Democrats' reaction when they have to deal with it. It's pretty powerful. Brandon, last question I want to ask you. You're in the Arizona sector where the largest number of gotaways are clearly there because of how stretched thin the gotaways are. I know the 2.4 million number or the 5 million number, depending what year you use. Two years of Joe Biden, 5 million, one year, 2.4 million. But it's the gotaways. What's in that gotaways that probably is the most scary thing that we should all be worried about, right? It is. And unless we talk about that and, and, and continue to talk about it, we're never going to um, solve the problem of border security. When you look at the people that are able to get away, when, you, when you're in Arizona where I work, it, people aren't just crossing the border and throwing their hands in the air saying, hey, here I am, come get me. These people are wearing camouflage. Um, they're crossing during the daytime because they, they know that the cameras can't see as well when you're wearing camouflage. At nighttime, people glow. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. You can wear camouflage. You can wear dark clothes. It doesn't matter. You're going to glow because of the infrared. Um, but during the daytime, so these people are crossing right in the middle of the daytime um, with this camouflage, and they're trying to evade apprehension. They do not want to be taken into custody. And if they don't want to be taken into custody, we should be worried about that. There's a reason that they don't want to be taken into custody, and, there's, and, and that's why we're seeing um, so many apprehensions, more apprehensions than ever of people whose names match on the terrorist watch list. Again, that's the scary aspect of border security. But, but John, I can tell you, it could change tomorrow. It's like a light switch. With the proper policies, we could get this under control. And that's what we got to constantly push this administration to do. Give us the proper policies. With those policies, we can protect your children, my children, our grandchildren, um, friends and neighbors. It's always going to come back to that. It's always going to come back to family, friends, neighbors. Everything has to come back to that because if we do that, the American people will be served, the American people will be safe, and, and we'll be able to continue that living in the greatest country in the world with safety and security. 
Yeah, that's what we want. We want that for our kids and our grandkids as well. It's such an enormous moment in American history. I hope we seize it because I see what you do and what all of your colleagues do every day. (laughs) And I go, they're all in. They're giving it. They're all even under impossible circumstances. We got to follow up as the American people to make this right. Brandon, such an incredible opportunity to talk to you. Every time I talk to you, I get inspired. And I also know we know where the problem is. We got to get it fixed at that border. John, thank you. Always good to talk with you. I appreciate your listeners. I appreciate everything that they do. Um, keep getting the message out. That's that's greatly appreciated um, by by those people that I represent. No doubt about it. We're going to keep doing that. And we pray for your safety and all the safety of the great men and women of the Border Patrol. Thanks, John. All right, folks, we're going to take another commercial break. But before we do, I want to shout out one of the great new partners that we have here at Just the News. It's Christmas time. It's winter time. When I think about the holidays, I think about my cabin up in the mountains. And when my wife and I are hanging out at the cabin, you know what we do? We go to Tommy John. They have the best loungewear, the best underwear, the best pajamas. In fact, that's probably my favorite thing. Soft, warm, unmistakably fashionable pajamas from Tommy John. Well, the folks at Tommy John have done something special for you and I. And you know what that is? They've created a special before Black Friday holiday sale, and you can take advantage of that. Why wait in the crowds on Black Friday? Get up at four in the morning like those insane shoppers. Don't you don't have to do it. Go shopping now. I'll line up the best gifts from your couch, from your desktop, from your phone by going to tommyjohn.com slash justnews. If you go to tommyjohn.com slash justnews, guess what? You're going to get 30% off everything at the site just by using that URL, and you'll get your gifts early. You'll save yourself the aggravation of fighting the crowds at Black Friday, and you can feel a lot better. So go to tommyjohn.com slash justnews, 30% off, only because you're in the Just the News family, because you're a John Solomon Reports listener. Get a jump start on all of the great underwear, loungewear, and pajamas from the one and only Tommy John, my favorite loungewear provider in all of the world. All right, go to tommyjohn.com slash justnews and tell your friends about it. 30% off. That's no laughing matter. Plus, you get saved all the aggravation of the Black Friday crowds. All right, we'll be back right after these messages with Peter Lipset, Vice President from the Donors Trust. We're going to talk about the state of charitable giving as we head into the holiday season. A lot of important issues to tackle right after this commercial break. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? 
Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. It is a moment to step back, take a pause, and think about are you getting the most money bang for your buck. When you're donating, are you getting the bang that you want for it? Are you aligning your giving with your values? And are the people that you entrust to make those charitable investment decisions, are they representing your values and considering them when they make a donation on your behalf? Well, we have the perfect partner to talk to us about it today. Joining us from Donors Trust, one of our great partners here at Just the News and John Solomon Reports, is the Vice President, Peter Lipset. Peter, great to have you back on the show. Great to be back, John. Thank you. Yeah. So a lot has changed. We've had an election. We still got inflation, though. That hasn't gone away. Tell us a little bit about the economy, the idea that the economy is slowing down. We're seeing signs of that higher interest rate, continuing inflation. How is it taking effect on the philanthropic picture as we head into the end of the year? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last time I was on that, that you know, we saw this inflation coming. We knew it was going to get worse. Since then, it's only gotten worse, only backed off a little bit. And as we talked about then, it's bad for donors because their gift doesn't go as far. It's bad for the organizations they're giving to because the gifts they get don't go as far, and it puts pressure all around. And, uh, and none of that's none of that's changed. Uh, fortunately, people do continue to step up. We've continued to see giving kind of on pace with last year. Maybe some signs in the broader market that it could be even a little bit ahead. Uh, but I do hear from some of my nonprofit friends that donors who say normally give stock donations, which I'm sure plenty of your listeners like to support organizations that way, donate some stock, you give away the capital gains, it's a great way to give. Uh, right now, there's not so much appreciated stock to give away. Uh, and that makes it a little more tricky. So donors who give that way may be holding off or giving less in cash. And that just continues to go. And if we don't see something start to turn around in the next six weeks, I do worry about what that year-end picture is going to be like. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody's looking ahead saying, God, what is it? What are we going to enter 2023 looking like in this country? Certainly the idea that we're going to have a Republican House seems more and more likely, uh, though a very slim one. The elections always have a way of affecting not only donors, but the charities that we're all trying to support. What do you think the election's impact is going to be? Kind of a split verdict from America. What do you think it heads in the charitable space? The biggest thing we're watching is how it may affect some of the ongoing discussions of legislation that's kind of tinkering with philanthropy. Maybe that's the most generous way to put it. These things like the Accelerate Giving or Charitable Efforts Act, the ACE Act, that wants to put some extra pressure on private foundations and donor advised funds. A few other things going out, the Disclose Act, different things that in theory target election giving but bleed into uh, regular philanthropy and, and force donors to be a little less private than they might otherwise want to be. And that that is something that we worry is going to have a negative effect on giving. The hope was with a Republican Congress, Republican House, Republican Senate, pretty much most of those things would just die away, that they would be non-issues for a couple of years. Now, now it's not clear. It's, uh, it's a little less 
of a solid verdict as we thought we might get. Things, If the House does indeed flip, that should stall things. There's going to be other fish to fry in that sense, and so the charitable thing is, is less important. But even on the Republican side, we've seen some candidates, most notably J.D. Vance up in Ohio, who's you know the incoming senator there, uh, has been a little less kind to philanthropy in certain times. So it's a big, mysterious picture and not quite as clear as we were hoping it to be. Yeah, uh, that it is. If we were looking for clarity, we sure didn't get it on November 8th. And it drags on nonetheless, too. At seven, eight days later, we're going to still be trying to figure certain pieces of it out. I know a lot of people feeling a little bit more squeezed. Whatever your investment portfolio looked like in January, it probably is a lot smaller. If someone is worried that they don't have enough to give to their favorite charity, are there unique ways, something unique to do that uh, allow them to continue to be charitable, even if they're a little worried about the bottom line for themselves? Yeah, there's there's several things that donors can do. I mean, first off, America's the most charitable, generous nation on the planet. People are going to continue to give. They just may not give quite as much as they want. But uh, three things that I'll kind of point out in specific uh, terms. One is many of your listeners probably have donor-advised funds, like what we offer at Donors Trust, uh, whether it's one of the big commercial donor-advised funds or a community foundation. If you have a donor advised fund, you probably have some money stored up there. Use that money. Now is the time to use that. The donor advised fund really has become kind of a rainy day fund for society. When when philanthropy big picture goes down, those dollars that are in the donor advised funds tend to get tapped. We saw this in 2020. We saw this in 2008. And, uh, and it's something that just a reminder to people who say, oh, yeah, I do have that donor advised fund. I put some money in a couple of years ago. Maybe I could give a little more this year because you've got that money set aside. So reminder for those people. Another for folks who may be uh, 72 years old or older who are drawing down from their IRA, it is possible. This is a, a tax exemption a lot of people know about, but maybe some don't, that you can give up to $100,000 direct from your IRA to public charities. I didn't know that, really. You can, and it's a great way, particularly if, if you know if you give if you have to draw down two hundred thousand dollars out of your IRA, you can give away a hundred thousand straight from the IRA, and then your income's only a hundred thousand dollars that year. And uh, you know you could take it all and then put it in a donor advised fund or give it away yourself, and it may have the same effect. But it does certainly for people who are trying to <laughs> figure out their income levels, et cetera, can can do that. And then the third. This is a good time, even if you're feeling a little cash-strapped, maybe be a little more open to your conversations that are getting started from your charity, favorite charities about plan giving, thinking farther ahead. And so maybe you can't give as much now, but could you commit to include that charity in your estate plan or as part of the donor advised fund a legacy plan that you have uh, or however it is? But uh, giving some of that future assurance can be helpful to charity, even if it's not a dollar today. Yeah. Making that commitment, let them know they can count on it in the future. That sounds like a great, a great way. And probably a lot of people aren't thinking about that, but that is one way to really, really make a difference. A lot of people say, oh, you know, donor advised funds are only for the rich, but that's not true at all. Talk a little bit about people who are middle class, upper middle class that, you know, want to still be charitable and how a donor advised fund can make a bigger difference than they can on their own. Yeah, it's absolutely true. It is a misconception that many people have that you have to put millions and millions in. Most people put away hundreds and hundreds or maybe thousands and thousands and use it just as a tool to centralize their giving, have it all in one place, get the tax deduction 
uh, make sure that that's done, even if they don't have time to think through strategically all of their charitable giving in a current year. Um, maybe they sell a house this is what my wife and I did. We have a fund. We're certainly not Scrooge McDuck swimming in uh, piles <laughs> of riches. And, but we, we put some money in when we sold our, our house a few years ago, and that money's there and available to do exactly what I said at the top of the show, uh, to be able to give a little more now because that money is, is there and resourceful. So we're seeing more and more people who are, you know, your quote unquote, regular old folks who are opening donor advised funds just because they want a strategic way to give. They're not going to open a foundation for that, um, but they do want that. And then, and then they look to somebody like us to have a partner who actually understands their values and shares their conservative principles, their libertarian worldview, and, uh, and wants to make sure that the charities that they're supporting are in line with that and aren't betraying that. After we did our last conversation a few months ago, I got a message from one of our listeners who said, what's it like when you sit down the first time? He said, all right, I think I'm in. I want to do something with the donor advised fund. What is that first few interactions like? What, are, what is someone who's going to take that step and say, you know what? I've been sold on. Let's do this. What's that first conversations like to make sure that you guys internalize the values and wishes and ideas that someone has with the money, but may not know all the options available to them to make the biggest impact? Well, we want to get to know all of our clients. I mean, we, we, you know, gave away, we'll give away $200 million this year, but we still think of ourselves as boutique and we want to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with the people we're working with and many community foundations and, and other kind of more boutique ones will we'll do that. And because we want to make sure we can guide that donor intent. So I'd like to get on the phone or even get in person with folks and say, what do you care about? What are the organizations that, that you really care about? What are the causes that matter to you and the needles that you would like to see move in society. Because that means that when I'm having a conversation with a grantee, as we often do, I just had two back-to-back -back right before you and I spoke, uh, then I can say, oh, that's something that John Solomon would really be interested in. I'm going to let him know that this is out there. Not to say you should give to it, but to say, hey, we're thinking of you and we're thinking of your goals. And if this is a fit, here you go. We want to be able to do that. Uh, some people don't want that. Some people are just come in, they want to put their money in, get their tax deduction and send it out their way. And they've got their plan. And that's fine too. We just want to be a resource in either way to make sure that they're maximizing the value of their philanthropy. Well, when you have $200 billion of charitable giving, you end up learning about some causes and some groups and some charities that are making a difference that maybe we don't have on our radar. And I think that's a really exciting thing to be able to broaden. We're all busy, right? We don't have time to do a lot of research. Be able to broaden someone's knowledge or awareness of things that are going on that, hey, that supports my values and I didn't know that that existed. And I think that's a really cool part of the conversation. Absolutely. There's so many good groups out there doing so much cool work. And uh, the more people can know, I mean, it's why we started our podcast, our Giving Ventures podcast. It's why we send a lot of emails to our folks, though never too many. And uh, we want them to know. We want them to know what's out there. Yeah, it's so, so important. Peter, as you get into the holidays, everybody starts thinking about the new year. I'm sure that Donors Trust has its own Christmas wish list, its New Year's resolution list. What are some of the most important things that Donor Trust is thinking about as we head into a very challenging 2023? I think a lot of people are worried about 2023. A lot of things that charity can make a difference on. What's on your list? Well, you know, let's face it. The, the folks who do not believe in limited government and personal responsibility and free enterprise are putting more and more money into charity. I mean, we saw there was some announcement recently that Jeff Bezos is going to put the majority of his $124 billion fortune into charity. That's not going to 
free market think tanks um, unless we can really get to them and, and make them see the light. It, and and there's a lot of folks like him following that model. But there's also a lot of people listening to this podcast who are out there, you know, who want to see a better country. And I just my number one wish for for Christmas and really for every day is that more of those folks just engage in philanthropy and put their dollars, you know, support your family, support your community. But some of that is going to be done through giving to the organizations out there, not just the ones that the, the food banks or the dance programs or the theaters or that kind of thing, but also to the think tanks, to the student groups, to the ones that are really trying to advance the values that we care about. And so encourage people to make that leap of faith, whether it's opening a donor advised fund and looking for some strategic guidance, like we offer a donor's trust, or just putting a little away every month and, and finding a good charity to give it to. We need to uh, counter the growing power of government, the growing influence of the more leftist voices out there with our philanthropic dollars. Isn't that so true? Yeah. And if you're on the sidelines, you don't get to complain. You got to be in the game to complain, apparently. So it's so important to for people to realize that even a little bit can go a long way, especially when you're matched up with other people who have the same interest and, and goal and values as you. It's amazing what strength in numbers can do. Peter, what's the best way if someone's listening and say, I want, I'm in, I'm sold, I want to do this. What's the best way for our listeners, our readers, our viewers to engage and get started on the donor trust journey? Yeah, you visit us at donorstrust.org and there's all kinds of information there. You can download a prospectus and get some information from us. You can send us an email with your question and we'll write you right back and, and get a time scheduled to, to chat. As I mentioned, we have a podcast, our Giving Ventures podcast, where we highlight different groups out there. So if, you, if you're not ready to talk to us yet, but maybe you don't mind hearing my voice again, you can listen to that and hear about some of this great work that's going on out there uh, so that you can get involved. Yeah, it's such an important thing. The research on this is actually kind of fun. I went through it a couple months ago and you get excited, right? Because you're realizing I'm going to increase my impact. I'm going to have a difference. I'm going to be acting in line of my principles. I'm not, you know, I'm doing something that I know is what aligned with my values and my principles. And it makes it simpler. Sometimes my wife and I sit down like, Oh my God, I, what are we going to do again? And when you have someone that focuses you, it makes such a difference. And the podcast, by the way, is just a great podcast. You have found a way to personify not only charities, but the people who make charities tick. And I just encourage everybody to go check that out. It's such a great listen. You you do such a great job. It tickles the air. And you always feel good when you're done, too, which I like that about that. So great job, Peter. All right. Well, Peter, we're going to probably have you back one more time before the end of the year because people will be making pretty important decisions as the holidays come. But until then, thanks so much for the update. Lots to chew on today. Lots of exciting things to think about in making a difference in our future. Appreciate it, John. Thanks so much. Thanks to all your listeners. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. 
you should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you to Brandon Judd and Peter Lipset for two great conversations. Brandon Judd is really such a candid, straightforward shooter. And, of course, Peter Lipset knows more about charitable giving and how to line up your values to get the most bang for your buck when you give a charitable dollar to someone. Two of the great things. And of course, Donors Trust, check them out. They're so amazing. And of course, people are going to ask one more time, John, I, I, I know you told me about I can escape Black Friday. Remind me again. All right. One more time. You go to TommyJohn.com slash Just News. You go there, 30% off loungewear, underwear, pajamas, some of the most fashionable, most comfortable, and warmest loungewear, underwear, and pajamas you'll ever get. TommyJohn.com slash Just News. Don't waste a minute. Go there now. Between now and Sunday, 30% off ahead of Black Friday. Why jump into all the aggravation of the Black Friday crowds when for the comfort of your couch, your bed, your lounge chair, you can go get some of the best gifts and make people happy like 18 million other people have by buying pairs of the great clothing that Tommy John has. Go do that today. Enjoy it. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Until then, God bless you. And God bless this extraordinary country of the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.